Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. Only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back, the Wolves of Ball Street, here with another episode of the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Street Clothes Gim. Um, and Albert, we have a very Special guest here today to help us talk about the Kentucky boys. If you're an OG, you might know him from the Dime Drop. Uh, if you're a new fan, you'll know him from uh, his work with the Ringer and uh, Ringer University, NBA University. We got Jay Kyle Mann in the building. Kyle, thank you for hopping on. It is my pleasure. When you said the thing about OG, I had a moment the other day where I was like, Am I like an old head now? Like it's only been like two or three years. Like I mean, I'm older than a lot of the people that do. A lot of the people I interact with on the draft, they're like, "I'm 20." I was like, "Screw oh you, number one." But yeah. no, it's always it's always like these kids in college. No, I mean, screw you in the sense that it'll be like these college kids that are like writing about basketball in this like really sophisticated way. And I was like, "Damn it, I am up against it." But no, I mean, like even I started doing this like three years ago, and it's funny to think. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I think I started this in, in, in 2018 is when I started doing videos and stuff. But uh, time has flown. And Dude, uh, it, yeah, it's funny you say that about like the college because I'm going to be 35 this year. And like yeah. and every like draft Twitter kid has like college 23 and like they're yeah, yeah. I'm like that pisses me I'm off. Like, yeah, I'm like, like, how long like, ago did I graduate? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. Like I got a one, two, three kid shirt on today. Like I'm old. I don't know. You know. Is what it is. Um, we're recording on a uh, Wednesday morning, completely uneventful. Nothing happened. I'm sure that no major sports outlets will cover anything that mm. hasn't happened today. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the NBA draft, specifically some of the Kentucky guys. We're going to talk about BJ Boston and we're going to talk about Isaiah Jackson. And uh, this is going to be interesting because this, I think, is our first major draft stock dropper that we've talked about um so i think we should let's let's start with uh with bj boston and actually you know before we get started just this kentucky team in general kyle where does it rank on your all-time favorite (laughs) kentucky teams is it like right below the 96 team like where where we are just the shade under 96 you know right there (laughs) neck and neck with 15 um (laughs) No, I mean, I'm not trying to – it's like, I don't know, the older I get, the less mad I get at these groups. Like, I mean, when I was younger, I would just intensely get pissed off and screw those guys, never want to see them again. You know, but I I think the more you're around it, the more you realize it's demystified a little bit, I guess, too. And I've had the opportunity to kind of see some of the sausage getting made a little bit with that kind of stuff. I mean, this was a weird year. I don't think I have to, like – 
confirm that for literally anyone on the planet, unless you were like living on some remote island cut off from civilization. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a team that was up against it. Um, I think some of the issues um, that have kind of caught up with Cal are were like personnel curation, things like that. Things that if you follow me on Twitter, you've heard me uh, rant and rave about all the time. And I mean, I even make other Kentucky fans mad with some of this stuff um, because I, I just call it like I see it with some of that stuff. Like uh, I, Cal prioritized a certain type of player and that's kind of hasn't he hasn't evolved super gracefully over the years uh, in that sense. And that's like, you know, prioritizing shooting and creation. He was very much um, prioritizing speed. I had, I had a coach literally tell me he prioritizes speed over shooting. Like, and you can kind of see that over the years. It's like he had one dribble shooting point guard in 2011, which was Brandon Knight and he Mm -hmm. fucking killed and he never did it again. Cal was never like, I want a shooter at the point guard position. I'm weird. I want my initiator to be able to shoot. (laughs) That's re- that think, is uh, it's a it's a strange viewpoint in, mm-hmm. in 2021, man. I got to tell you, I think you're on an island there with the shooting. Yeah, it's so strange, man. But anyway, with this group, I just had some people tell me just I won't go into details about it because some of this stuff has aged tragically. But, you know, um, and, and all that stuff is really put put a, a rough personal cap on this group where, uh, you know, the, I mean, they had a hard year. and But also, I just think that the team was constructed in a way that put them up against it. You know, Devin Askew probably came in and needed to be uh, in, in like a lesser role and brought along slowly. Um, and Davion Mintz ended up getting dependent on more and they thought they were getting Cade Cunningham. That's another thing that just looms over this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, they lit Cade Cunningham literally said, I'm going to come and then didn't come. Uh, he said that to North Carolina apparently too, but um, yeah, this team just, had some issues that were damned from the start. You know, they couldn't guard the ball and they couldn't create. The two things were just two sides of the same coin. And if you can't do that, I mean, you're just not going to stop anybody. And we would have our fans would just kind of gripe and be like, why aren't they guarding the three point shooters? I'm like, it's just, it's not what's, that's not the problem. The problem is they can't stop the ball and they just gave up a million open threes. They got better over the course of the year, but I mean, it was a frustrating team to watch. I got to the point where I was so fatigued with analyzing them where I was like, I'm just not going to waste any more brain power trying to dissect this thing that is just flawed. I'm not going to figure out why this car with three wheels won't, won't roll down the road. It just won't. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what happened with it. Um, so yeah, not, not my favorite team ever, but it was a really weird year in normal circumstances. Maybe they're, you know, a nine seed or something like that, but they just couldn't put it together. So. That's completely fair. And and what did uh, Jimmy Butler say about the rearview mirror? He he took it off because he doesn't like looking backwards. He only wants to go forward. I think that's what we need to do with this Kentucky team. Let's uh let's talk about BJ Boston a little bit in you know context of him as a prospect for the NBA rather than you know his college season. A uh, little little intro for this Kentucky guard. He's going to be nineteen point six years old on draft day. About six 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 seven. Really great wingspan. Um, I mean, noticeable just by, by watching him on the court, it, things get a little hairier after, after his measurements, right? He 11 and a half points per game on 36, 30, 78 shooting splits, which, mm-hmm. uh, fellas, not the mm-hmm. best, not the best. Like that. no. uh, that's not a, ideal. That's a, that's a true shooting percentage of, uh, 45%. So Jesus. Yeah, that's not great. It's not great. He does have awesome hair. 
So that is a plus mm. for him. Uh, big fan. Superb hair. Uh, preseason rankings. All right. Bleacher Report had him, I believe it, the, the earliest I found was eight, but I know that they had him a little bit higher coming in preseason. ESPN had him at three. SB Nation had him at two. Mm-hmm. Currently, Bleacher Report has him at 33. Wow. ESPN at 36. And SB Nation has him at 27. So, and I know that uh, the Ringer released their mock draft today. I didn't get a chance to, to look at that yet. So I'm curious to see where you guys have them. Um, but needless to say, it's a pretty big drop in, in draft stock. Um, not necessarily the first prospect to drop. You know, we saw it last year with Jaden McDaniels, who came in, you know, kind of the same, right? Top five, top three guy and, and ended up really, really falling. So I will ask his, his stock is probably set at about 32, right? That early 30 price point. Is that stock too high? Is it too low? Or is it just right, Albert? Dude, I, I have I have no idea. And I think I, I'm so I'm excited to have Kyle on today just because I feel like as I was watching BJ Boston, I felt like we'll, we'll talk more about his his gifts and tools and talents and stuff. But a lot of it from what I was seeing from early in the season, it felt like a lot of it was mental. Like it just seemed like he was in his head a lot. Um, a lot of the shots he was taking, like he was like double, triple team, just hoisting up shots. And so I did want to ask Kyle, like from what we were expecting, right. With him coming in from Sierra Canyon, highly touted, as you mentioned with, you know, all those rankings and stuff like that. What did you see from him? Because for me, like, I felt like he has all the tools in the bag to be a really, really good player. And like, you know, he was coming in and they're expecting him to be a shot creator, shot maker, um, but do you feel like it was a system thing with him? Do you feel like it was a mental thing with him? You mentioned it's been a really, really tough year. And I mean, there are things we're talking about outside of the court, right? Uh, the pandemic was one hell of a thing that he had to deal with and we all had to deal with. But I, I was just from watching him, I was wondering, like, this feels like something beyond just basketball. It felt really like there, there was something mental going on there or it could also be like a system thing. Just wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw overall from his game. Cause it didn't feel like he, I mean, anyone from the eye test can see he doesn't lack talent. He doesn't lack any gifts, but it something felt weird. And his shooting numbers were like shocking to start the season. I, I think at one point he was shooting like 19% from three. So mm-hmm. but Kyle, what do you think was really going on with Boston and why he's dipping this, this far? Oh, I think it's really complex answer. I think it, it demands a complex answer. I think number one, just being far from home from what I, from what I understand was a tough adjustment for him. Um, West coast guys have kind of had a hard time in, under Cal um, pretty with pretty much without fail. Jamal, Jamal Baker, um, you know, Johnny Juzang, people like that. Devin Askew ends up leaving too. Those are all California guys. Um, I mean, Boston, like you said, yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I had some sort of back and forth with people um, about him versus the other guy that I'm sure we're going to talk about, Isaiah Jackson, yeah. where I thought actually I had I'd come into the season thinking and I had all these people that I trusted being like, oh, yeah, Boston is this and that. And I like even compared Boston to Ubre at one point and some I had somebody that I really trust um, be, be like, oh, no way, no way. You know, like, oh, he's so good. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of like Jackson better, but like mm-hmm. Boston, 
he he's similar to Kevin Knox in some ways in the fact that apparently what got him motivated took uh, <laughs> that got a reaction out of you. Oh, Are you a Knicks man. fan? I'm a big Knicks fan. That one hurts. Yeah, that one really hurts. <laughs> yeah, I actually think he's more talented than Knox. Weirdly, mm-hmm. Knox played better here. Um, Knox is Knox apparently was such a homebody that he had a hard time adjusting to being here too. I know his dad was up here all the time, basically like a real tight knit family from what I understood. Um, but he was a guy who had kind of an odd path where he like switched from football later. So I think yeah. some of his instincts as a player were maybe not where they thought they were. Um, something that I try to pay attention to a lot with players is um, you can go through and watch, you know, the um, what is it? Uh, any of any of the mixtape sites, you can go through and watch snippets of players out of context yeah. And get the impre- the impression that they're this or that. Um, when really the that's something that I think that draft Twitter in general, not that really the NBA gives a flying fuck what draft Twitter thinks at all, but I think just our dialogue about about the draft has to evolve in the sense that like the context has to be there. You can't watch a player, and and I've noticed this with the highest level of NBA players, it's, is that like sequential thinking is what separates good from great players. I could watch, you can watch a decent player impersonate the skills that are necessary to be at the highest level. And I think that that's what happens to bridge this to what I think has been a little bit the issue with Boston and some of the other guys in the class, frankly, is that like feel hasn't totally been there in the, in the broader sense of uh, maybe reps, maybe game reps to develop some of the the skills that they're going to need to, to level up. Um, I point blank asked somebody on the UK staff. I said, I'm getting the impression that this is a guy who spent a lot of time, in workout scenarios, more that he was more his experiences were more lopsided towards that playing like one on one, one on two type of thing, and like skill development scenarios rather than than playing in game competition. And if you watch Sierra Canyon, I mean, yeah, it was like a competent team; they were in stuff, but a lot of the time they were so talented, it was just like swing, swing, create your Run, shot, transition, running up and down the court, yeah. right? Stuff that I I'm glad you brought the mixtape thing up because we've talked about it. It seems like when you're on the internet and all, you know, so many of these draft sites, like if you watch Brandon Boston's mixtape, it is sick, Mm -hmm. you know, because he's got like, he's so shifty and he's doing, but when you watch him in actual game action and it, you know, it looks like a lot of times he's actually trying to process things in his mind that he worked on in a training setting. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it almost looked like he was running on old software mm. like yeah and, and in high school aau like sometimes your talent just trumps it so you don't have to you know think the game through as much but when you got to college you know he'd be doing things you know semi-transition right he's he's trying to figure out like do i pull it out which would probably be the smart move or am I going to go to like some Euro step that I worked on with a trainer who's holding like a baseball bat? Like, you know, like, <laughs> and what he ends up happening is he's like, he does the Euro step, but he's processing it. Everybody could, everybody knows that's what he's getting to. Right. And so does the defender. And now his kind of like skinny frame is going into two different guys and he loses the ball. And I think that with a lot of these young guys, like they're, they love the, the the personal trainers and and that lack of feel that you develop that we see from a guy like Lamelo who's just playing constantly throughout his life and just has this natural kind of feel on the court that some of these younger dudes they don't necessarily always have because they're just 
they're they're doing this one-on-one training you know like brickley and hanlon i feel like just blew up this kind of um cult like training culture that that these guys Mm -hmm. and and not to say that it's bad it's not Mm -hmm. like you know doing these skill training is is valuable but sometimes you just you know you gotta play you gotta play pickup and and i think i think he's kind of like he has some of that like shifty kind of ball handling pickup but like when i see his shot and like his form specifically that kind of like one motion it's hard for him to be like now like when guys are a little bit closer a little bit longer a little taller it's kind of hard for him to adjust to how they're defending the shot and and i think that's one of the reasons he kind of struggled with that with that shot yeah totally i mean his dribble pull up was pretty rough i mean for a lot of the year i mean he got it going at times um mm-hmm. you know he um he was really adjusting to extra help and like help more sophisticated help things yeah. like that I, I definitely think um the thing about him now um you were mentioning like where his stock is is it right is it high is it low yeah um i honestly think that it's in a situation you know nba teams not to break news to people they're smart they they do a lot of research uh they've done more research than we have and they've studied this i think it's at a point where man if he gets taken in the middle of the first round it's not going to shock me because his value has been pushed down so much that he's a bargain now that I think somebody's going to reach for him because I do think some of the tools are there. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a great NBA player, but yeah. he's somebody that's going to be worth a chance just because if you, if you think about like the odd circumstances that he played in this past year and you think about the things that we have seen and where he could end up, like he's a real bendy, shifty athlete. Like you said, he basically had to learn to, I mean, he was a horrible finisher. He's the type of guy who probably should any other situation should come back. Um, but, you know, in today's NBA, I mean, it's it, today's yeah. climate. They're just not going to come back. I mean, he's going to go he's going to go train on somebody's dime and try to get better. I mean, I think he's in the middle of the first round, in the middle of, you know, late first round. I could see it being a, a worthy gamble. If you think about you're reaching for somebody who who has this kind of upside, I felt the same way. I was talking about Zaire Williams the other day. I felt the I, I like Zaire a lot better than I like Brandon, and I always have. But um, yeah, it's 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 a situation where his value is probably a, a more it's it's pushed to where it's safer and makes more sense. Honestly, if if I took him top five, um, I mean that would be terrifying to think about uh, for a team. So I don't know. It's probably a little bit better for teams because it's less of a gamble. You're going to feel less of that consensus pressure to take him high yeah. if he had had a good year. Um, so that's kind of... I think I think this is a good time to transition into a question that we had because I know Corey has, you know, felt a little divisive on Zaire Williams. And obviously these are two prospects that are really easy to juxtapose and compare. They're former teammates, both long, lanky type, you know, big wings. Um, they both had strange freshman years. Um, it, you know, challenging freshman years. And so I, I was wondering, you just mentioned that you have Zaire above Boston. What do you think it is about Zaire that separates the two? Because I think like, depending on who you talk to, you can get all kinds of reactions. And, um, you know, some people have Zaire higher, some people have Boston higher. I, it's really hard, but I did want to say like, I, I actually have no idea who I have above one, uh, one or the other, but want to get your thoughts on that. What do you think separates the two for you? I have a better idea of what could keep Zaire Williams on the floor in the NBA. 
Um, I think that his challenges, I'm probably going to write about this here soon. Um, I mean, Zaire could be a defensive monster at the next level, in my opinion. I mean, he's really long. Even his flexibility has been kind of hampered a little bit, like with his knee situation. I was watching him yesterday really specifically. Um, He's just a dog defensively. He's really interested in it, number one. I really like – this is like a small thing. It doesn't really mean anything. But like on dead ball situations, he's the type of guy who will sprint over to the rim and so you can't see your shot go in. He's that type of person. Uh, You'll watch him like – he's just very attentive. Um, and he's huge. The big, the big thing though, too, is like, what kind of strength is he going to be able to add? Um, I've made this joke over the last couple of years that just, he is like the skinniest shoulders I think I've ever seen. Like Scott, Scotty Lewis has really, really skinny, really skinny shoulders too. And that's going to hurt him. But like, you know, he's really long. I actually think he would have like a seven, one, seven, two wingspan if, if he had broad shoulders, like he's a long dude. Um, but you know, he can he can weak side contest and get really skinny and vertical. He digs out drives. He's got quick hands. I think that he's going to be a semi – I think he could be like a better auto porter at the next level. I think wow. I think Zaire Williams could be that. Um, I, his value has been driven down in this past year. I was just thinking about yesterday when I, I made a statement about how I'm higher on him, and I was like, it's weird that we're in this position where this guy who is a top recruit – like I have to – make that stance as if it's an odd stance. It's like, not really. It's just in the past year, we got this misleading sample. I think Mm -hmm. that caused people to get a little too pessimistic. Same thing with Jaden. I mean, but Jaden shifted a little bit as a player. Like if you watched him, I've talked about this on the ringer university show a few times that like, he was pretty infuriating to watch like in high school towards the end, because he thought he was Kevin Durant. And then he got to into towards the later stint of his time at Washington and he was like more like Jonathan Isaac. He's like just this monster who can guard Mm. these big wings in the NBA, big three fours. Anyway, I I think Zaire, I trust his him defensively and that'll keep him on the floor to develop the other things that need to come along, which, you know, Mm. he's a little cam reddishy and that like he gets, he turns into a big pile of limbs with against any kind of pressure off the dribble. Mm. Uh, But I just, I trust those things and I'm confident in them. So we'll see. That's how I, I – oh, sorry. Go for it. No, uh, I was going to say, like, you know, you mentioned, like, I'm a little iffy on Zaire, but mm-hmm. I think it. you explained it perfectly. Like, I'm only iffy on him if he feels like I think a lot of, you know, the internet feels about him where they think that he has this kind of shot creator potential. And for me, I would much rather see him try to be more Mikhail Bridges, like – be that kind of really monster defender, work on being a floor spacer, get out in transition, make opportunistic cuts and use kind of his strengths rather than, like you said, sometimes, you know, he'll try to create when he has pressure. It, it doesn't turn out all that well. And like I know, and maybe this goes back to some of the mixtape stuff, like he has hit, you know, some step back jumpers and he can mm-hmm. create space and whatnot. But it does get to a point where you have to be able to do that consistently before I think it's a skill that you should really focus on. And at the NBA, you know, you look at some of these wings, I have a hard time picturing him in a role where he's going to be given the complete freedom to kind of amplify that part of his game rather than I think he has a bunch of strengths that are, you know, could really translate and make him valuable just as more of an off ball player. And, and if he does that, like I, even though his percentages were bad as a shooter, I do buy the shot. And, I do too. You know, like it looks good. And a, a lot of times, like you just, you have to trust the eye test and like his shot looks good. Um, 
And, and you know, I, I love all the defensive stuff that, that Kyle touched on. So for me, it's not so much that I don't believe in him or, or value him as a player. I just value him differently. And sometimes like, I don't know what kind of player he values himself as. And I would never tell a player to be like settle for being a role player. Like this mm-hmm. is their career, their life. They can work on whatever they need to, but that doesn't always mean that that's the best role that they're going to be fit for on an NBA team. And I think if he settles more into a role of defender, spot shooter, transition, you know, all the, that I think he could be a very, very, very high level role player. And look, those guys get paid, you know, oh, yeah. um, you know, so uh, that's my thing with Zaire. I, I, I like him as a prospect. I just like him in that role more than kind of this mystery shot creator role that some people see him as. Mm-hmm. He is a little bit of ba- off the bounce pull up dribble yeah, pull a little up. Bit. But it's like he's very very shaky. Like I don't think he has big hands. Like I was I was that's that's one of my like cliche things that I'm into is like I just like wings to have big hands. That's that's kind of the difference. Like ball control uh, is really important. It, that is important for ball control and traffic, in my opinion, as a finisher. Like he's not able to like leverage his length a lot of times because of that. You'll watch him like he can't. He's not an ambidextrous passer. Um, you know he's he screws up transition sequences a lot, but I do think that he's a, a bright kid from everything I've seen. Like you said, if he, what I always tell people is like, you know, consider, you got to consider the ages here because we always mm-hmm. talk about Mikhail Bridges uh, as this young guy, which he is, but you know, he came he's in a league older. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he sat out his freshman year of college. What if Zaire Williams sat out his freshman year and then came out at the same age? What will we be saying about him? I, and is it a safe proposition to say he'll be X, Y, Z at the same point Mikhail is now? Maybe not. But, no. I mean, in terms of a guy who can be a really, really versatile tool defensively, hit open shots, um, people were like dogging on his shot mechanics. If he speeds it up and raises it up, honestly, it's probably going to be okay. I mean, his shot is in the air for a long time. It finds a big surface area of the rim. It's really soft. Yep. Um, I like it anyway. But comparing that to like Boston, I think is is a more versatile shot creator. But I don't see. I think Boston is probably your guy who maybe maybe his rotation late rotation comes in. Maybe a little similar to Ubre early on, honestly, um, can get you some buckets, but I don't know that I would lean on him heavily. He's like maybe somebody that can just come in and give me an injection of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think that I would feel totally confident drafting him, but somebody that has like a strong development system. Maybe they do. I could see that happening yeah. um, because the tools are there. Yeah, I, I think something you mentioned before with Zaire, with him being like you said, he was like a like a pile of limbs going to the rim sometimes, and you know he's super skinny. That's exactly what I saw with Boston. I felt like there are so many sloppy, kind of nasty drives to the rim, mm-hmm. and he would just throw up these these shots that were like nowhere near the rim sometimes. And he's skinny as hell, and so mm-hmm. there would be times where he'll be taking it into traffic, and he has no strength, and he doesn't have a lot of pop either vertically and i felt like there are a lot of times when like bigger um bigger centers or whatever they'd go up with him and he just lose all leverage and then he'd just throw up these like crazy shots that would get nowhere near you know going in i feel like that's a big thing for boston too where there's a little bit of sloppiness to him i think the decision making needs to be better but also like he needs to add weight 
or else like it, this just isn't going to work for me because I feel like he doesn't have like the explosiveness or the vert to really like get up there. Um, and also he like weighs like, I don't even know how much he is like what 160, 170 is what he looks <laughs> like on, on the screen. So that, that for me doesn't work, but I was wondering what you saw with that too. Just like, I felt like him going to the rim was like a nightmare most of the time. Oh, it was. Yeah. And it was infuriating. Not as somebody that just, I mean, to be honest, I just, I take the approach of, I just root for every kid. Like I want every kid to, to do what they can do. Um, and, and that on that level, that was frustrating to watch because I wanted to see him do, you know, all these different things as a finisher, but yeah, I mean, as a fan, yeah, there were times where I would just, you, you just, you just expect when he would go to the basket, I'd be like, this, 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 nothing's going to happen. He's not going to throw this ball out. He's going to not going to get to the line. Cause that's the downside is that, you know, yeah. not only do you not get a good shot at the rim, you're not going to get to the line. And that, that, he didn't do that well this past year. He was always trying to wiggle around people midair and things like that. And it, it just, um, you know, just not taking contact, um, just being too cute. And a lot of those things worked at, at the high school level. A lot of those things were even on his reels. You could go watch him do his little dipsy things away. Uh, and honestly, um, yeah, it's not dissimilar from, I was compared reddish is sort of the guy who's sort of the, the, a comp for that, like a, a skinny guy who got away with some of that stuff in the earlier levels of college. He's a lot more of a dog than, than Boston though. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, um, yeah, it was just a weird love year on a lot of levels from what I understood. Boston just kind of had a, had a year where he was, I don't know. You can't, you kind of speculate at your peril with some of this stuff. Uh, it just a distracted year, I would say in, in a lot of ways from what, from what I have been told, um, and, and the adjustment was slow for him, got down on himself some from what I, from what I understand. Uh, and you could tell, I mean, if you watched, wow. you could tell he, he his yeah. confidence just flat out was not there. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Right. So, you know, we do a little, little segment on the show called sell me this pen. <laughs> so if you write something down for me, yeah. if you could, right. Cause we just talked about a lot of the things that he struggled with. And, you know, you talked about, Obviously, if you took him in the top five and his his volatility as a prospect, you would not feel comfortable. I don't think any of us would. As you start getting later into the draft, I think that volatility starts to level out. So if you had, you know, a lot of these teams have multiple picks at the back of the first round, you know, uh, this early second. If you had like, you know, a short 30 seconds, a minute to to sell me as the owner on why you want to take this kid, what do you think? What would be his selling point? What we said, I mean, like that the fact that he has shown some of these uh, glimpses of shot creation, I mean, not consistency, but if I was a team, this this is ripe for, you, you know, if I was a team that had a bunch of picks either way, if I'm a good or a bad team, but if especially if I'm a team that's a competitive right now and I have a pick that like I have the liberty to take a chance. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Knicks. You don't, especially with the way it's gone with Knox. I don't know that I would be thinking about taking uh, Boston. I think I don't feel like I don't know. I just don't know how that would go. But I mean, yeah, I think uh, I'm also petting my dog over here too. He's hey. uh, he's being a little sweet boy right now um, <laughs> for once. So, but uh, yeah, that'd be that would be. You're you're picking somebody, especially if it was a team, you know, similar to the way Denver grabbed MPJ at 14. This isn't that, but no. um, 
this is a situation where if you can if you can grab this kind of player at this value, I mean, maybe they pay off. If not, hey, we lost a 20th pick, not the end of the world. But I, I could see a, a good team taking a chance on him. I don't know. It's kind of like what Boston did for a few years there in a row where they were picking the Romeo Langfords and players like that, just taking a chance where you can. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it could, it could turn out where – a lot, a lot of it depends on him personally, too. I mean, like, does he – I've seen him attack the rim and dunk occasionally. I mean, one time against Kansas, he had, he had that one rack attack where he went right to the rim. It's happened. It's so – it really could go – volatile is the word. You said volatile. With Brandon Boston, man, it could just go so many different directions. I don't feel tremendously confident in the pit of my stomach, so I guess I'm not selling you a pin. But if I was going to – to, to sell you a pin, I would say, yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen some of the stuff, the shot creation. Yeah. That's, that's valuable. I don't know what he's going to be as a creator either. Like in terms of like facilitating to me, yeah. I, I think in 10 years, wings, all wings are going to need, need to be able to run pick and roll. That's going to be like, that's where we're headed. Um, it's not going to be as compartmentalized. Um, so yeah. Cause if you go down the list of every, you know, every team that's close, like your Knicks, um, they need a wing who can run some pick and roll and create. Yeah. That's what they, you know, they need. A, a lot of these teams do. A lot of these teams like the Bucks. Hey, we need a wing who can who can be our secondary playmaker. Oh, what happened? They're great now. You know, that's just kind of the way the ba- basketball is going. I think if you're going to be on the floor, I think that the vocabulary for playmaking is uh, the water level is just going to keep going up and up and up and getting higher and higher and higher. So you know, Boston could evolve into a player like that if I was going to sell him. How about that? That was a decent sales talk, I guess, right? That was pretty good. That, yeah, that, was, that, was, that, that was pretty good. Um, Long-winded, yeah, I know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, at later round, maybe maybe early, I'm probably more of a, an early second. I'll buy the dip on on Boston because um, I, I do think there are some other guys late late in the first that maybe I'd probably take a chance on before him. I think, I think you bringing up Michael Porter Jr., that one hurt me a little bit just because even in the even in the moment, I, I my, my thing was I understand that back injuries are scary, but – with what we saw in high school and a little bit in college, I was like, dude, the Knicks should definitely take a shot here. And we took Kevin Knox. So um, that, that uh, man. we've talked a lot about Kevin Knox so far, which I no. don't well, really similar. appreciate, but no, yeah. uh, the staff <laughs> compared him to Kevin Knox. So that's not, really? that's not, not a wild idea. Not, not a ringing endorsement to be. Uh, no. <laughs> to well, Kevin be Knox was there. good here though. That's the thing. He was, that, like, I know. He, um, <laughs> It's just some of the things like we were talking about when you start getting into the um, the dynamism of the NBA in terms of like the help and like what the skill sets that are necessary. It's like Kevin was, and I even said this in my draft profile I did for him a couple of years ago, three years ago. Um, he was score first, score only, not a creator, not really. You had to call his number to, to get him involved in games, and um, he hasn't adjusted well to life beyond that. Um, it's pretty amazing watching these this, these playoff games where it's just like Kevin Knox getting in the game. It isn't even a thought like that. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, it's not even on the table. No one, this is how sad it is. No one's mentioning it. It's yeah. not even talked about. No, yeah, there's no. no one out there. That's just like, put in Knox. It's just like, no, it's, it's no. it just makes me it's, sad. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder who's going to pick him up. What do you think? Uh, literally no one, you mentioned no one talks about him. We don't even realize that he's not playing. The only thing we see of Knox is him celebrating on the sidelines whenever Obi Toppin goes up for an alley-oop. So that's that's his value right now for the Knicks right now. Cheerleader, hype man, and many 
wrinkles on his forehead. And that dude, that it's just heartbreaking, <laughs> man. We wanted Look, a lot more. Kennedy Everybody's Meeks. Everybody's got a clone. Yeah. Kennedy Meeks, that's Every- right. Oh, yeah. Skinny Meeks, that's what somebody called him. I thought that was good. <laughs> Everybody's got a star in their role. And if you're gonna be the cheerleader, you might as well do the best job you can, right? Let's uh let's move on to Isaiah Jackson, who I think we're gonna have some more favorable things to say about him as an NBA prospect. Yeah. Um, so Isaiah Jackson, Kentucky center, he'll be 19 and a half years old on draft day as well. 6'11", about 7'3", wingspan, according to the internet. Uh, eight points, about seven rebounds, 2.6 blocks in 21 minutes a game. Block percentage, uh, which, pretty good. What was the percentage? percentage Do you have that? I think it was like six. Uh, I think it was close to six. It was up there with Davis and Nerlens. It's up there, But, you know, as it's the 21 minutes a game thing, right? So, like, some of those blocks, you get them because you're also, you know, you're fouling a lot. He's Mm kind of – and we'll talk about it, you know, the nuance of shot blocking as you mature as a prospect. Um, So, (laughs) he shot 54% from the field, 70% from the line, took two threes, didn't hit any. And uh, the only – reason that I mentioned that is because um, so I edit uh, the virtual film rooms for Mike Schmitz and we did one on Isaiah Jackson and in it, when he was kind of talking about himself as a prospect, he, one of the things he mentioned is that he considers himself a stretch four and Mm. granted it was a very quick thing. Like, you know, I'm stretch four, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, So I just want to mention that. And you know we yeah. can gloss over it, or and we can keep going on what he's good at, uh, or, well, or or we can discuss it. I would say this: um, I've kind of had this back and forth with people over the past year. Um, I watched him quite a bit in EYBL. I watched him at Spire. Um, obviously, watched him at Kentucky. I am maybe more optimistic on the idea of him shooting it eventually than other people are. Um, I always kind of take. Cal flat out, if you Cal even does this with good shooters at the four, and he's just like, no, basically. Like, um, so uh, that that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, we've had so many guys who could shoot it here that just flat out don't get the chance. Um, he's he when he Cal sees coming here as like the mutual interest is like, you can shoot it later, I'm going to teach you things that are going to help you get your like second contract type things. That was like Kenny Payne, that was his big thing. It's like, you come here. You're going to learn how to like right and left hand baby hook. Like that's what you're going to do. So with, with Jackson, I eventually could see him shooting in a modest role. I I don't, I never think he's, he's obviously never going to be creating them for himself. Um, I just think, I think his potential at some point could be, he's such a talented ambidextrous shot blocker that if he could hit open threes, um, Mm I, I honestly have said that like, Chris Boucher was a guy that, that kind of reminds me of Jackson a little bit. Uh, and and Boucher's shot, I think, started from a worse spot than Jackson's does at 19. Um, so that's kind of my starting point with that. I mean, yeah, right now that's funny to think of him as, as a – yeah, Cal, Cal pretty roundly rejected the idea of him shooting threes but quickly. He, so He did show fairly nice touch in, in the mid-range at times. Yeah. You know, he, he was mm-hmm. capable of kind of, you know – uh, it's. I think it's a little like line drivey, which mm-hmm. tends to make it a little harder to uh, stretch out. But he look, he did show that little you know elbow jumper at times, which didn't look 
didn't look terrible. So yeah. uh, maybe one day, maybe one day. The the one thing that I did want to say with Isaiah, like like there were some moments where he'd face up and oh, you know, yeah. he'd do a little like one dribble pull up, and I was like, oh the hell is that? Like, I, I just wasn't expecting it at all. And there was like a game against, like, I think it was like Arkansas. I think he was like seven of eight from the free throw line. And for Corey and I, we're, we're big on free throw shooting. I think the fact that he shot 70% from the free throw line, I think, I think that's important too. Um, I looked it up. The block percentage to 12.7%. Oh, block way percentage. up there. So yeah, pretty sick. But I did want to say, like, I, I think that face up stuff, like was actually pretty shocking. He had a couple drives. I think even against uh, Tennessee, he had a couple drives where he was mm-hmm. just a little jab step, go baseline, baseline, just freaking wreck the rim. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is nice. You know, like, cause when you watch Isaiah Jackson, you just kind of take him face value. He's like one of those like high floor type of guys, high energy, athletic, you know, he's going to block a lot of shots, going to rim run. But I think the reason why I'm really high on Isaiah and something I said to Corey kind of off air a couple weeks ago, I was like, I, I think there's a real world where he goes top 10 because we saw Jalen Smith go, go top 10. Yeah. We saw Jalen Smith go 10th to the Suns last year. And I'm looking at Isaiah Jackson's like, I'd rather have Isaiah Jackson. Like this guy oh, yeah. is, is, is really freaking good. And I think, as we, you know, we brought up the shooting, whatever. I think over time, I don't think we'll ever look at him as like a number one option offensively. But there were spurts there where you're like, oh, this can blossom into something a lot more than just a rim protector, just a rim runner type of center. He's he's got a little something more to him that I thought was really really exciting. Yeah, he's got not to to go like old gar with my terminology here but i mean he's got some uh some mother effort in him in, in in the sense that like he's he doesn't i think he had a play in that tennessee game where they kept challenging him and somebody got up a big somebody got like a big head of steam and they were like they came at him i forget who it was it might have been keon but tried to dunk on him and it was this very big moment of like is he really going to try to block this and i mean Isaiah about broke his arm trying to block the shot. That's just kind of who he is. Like, I like that. I mean, the the left-handed blocking, too, is something that, like, guards specifically, like studying CP3, I saw him do that a lot, is he would really take advantage of guys that couldn't block shots with their offhand and kind of hop towards their offhand so that they're reaching, like, across their body. Isaiah is hard to take advantage of. Now, Nerland's had that ability, too. That's that's who he ended up reminding me of. I I think he could be, like, a Nerland-Z type guy and i think that he's his better hands though yeah his speed closing on the ball um is he that he has a real special talent in that way i i think i had somebody tell me uh recently um that was affiliated with the team i'm sure if you work with with mike you probably get this kind of stuff too that they that multiple teams had isaiah top 10 so i wouldn't be surprised if it if it happens um, the Suns, he would be an awesome second unit guy for the Suns because if you look at how vulnerable they are in the middle yeah. and they're in their later in their rotation. Um, yeah, I, I like I like Isaiah. He seems like a good kid, um, hard worker, um, just a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of the cliche upside. Like in the offense, like I don't think that he's ever going to be really relied on to be you know, a big time player in that sense, like a creator or anything like that. But uh, the defensive talent is is pretty special. So. Personally, I'm rooting for the Spire reunion. I want the, I want him oh, to, to land, in, land, in, land in Charlotte, you know, be a, be a little lob city action with him and Mello. Uh, yeah. You know what? Like, obviously it starts with his defense. And we said like on the surface, 
he's that rim runner, pick and roll, block shots. We've seen those guys kind of have some success in the playoffs, you know, uh, and throughout the year. Gafford has looked really good yeah. in Washington. Except um, against you know, Joel, right? And, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, I, I think we could say that for uh, a lot of uh, players. But, yeah, Time Lord, um, although he's shown some – some passing that that's really fun. But I, I I do think that Isaiah even showed, and look, I'm not saying he's going to be bam, you know, you know, constantly running like DHOs and creating and whatnot. But I do think that there were moments for Isaiah where like he would make these quick little reads that I was like, Oh, that's, that could work at the next level when there's more spacing. Cause you know, Mm -hmm. he's not going to be bam. He's not going to be Draymond, but if he can look to the weak side corner and and hit that corner shooter, I think that, you know, kind of gets him to a level that, maybe a guy like Daniel Gafford won't necessarily get to, um, or at least what separates him from being a top 10 pick potentially versus, you know, a second rounder. So I, I do like that when I was watching his film again and really going in, I, I just found myself liking his game more and more and just wanting all the minutes for Kentucky to have him on, on the floor. And you mentioned the left-hand blocks. I mean, that was like, that's my I, favorite I mean, part. It's, I mean, it's so valuable because, um, you know, especially when you're guarding out on the perimeter, uh, you, you know, like he's not going to have to, he, he switches stance. Like you could do based on scheme. Like if you're trying to like ice stuff, you know, he, and you're on that side of the floor, you know, he can naturally contest jump shots too. You know, it's not just the shot blocking. It's, it's the, the changing shots, the contests and, and uh, I don't, he, I mean, he, his movement is so fluid. And, and so the shot blocking, yeah, but I also love how, you know, his potential as a guy who could switch and and guard wings out on the perimeter and stay with them. Kind of like you mentioned a guy like Jonathan Isaac a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think that's so valuable in, in this NBA. And um, I, I really, really liked how he was able to guard on the perimeter. Yeah, he's he's super, super quick off his feet and he's super um, he's just instinctive. He, he just has an instinctiveness to him. He doesn't seem yeah. like an. Um, I don't know. You see some guys that obviously they look bogged down. Um, he just seems, I don't know. Every time he was out there, just good things instinctively would happen with him. And uh, I don't know. I, I felt really good about him. And um, I mean, Damian Collins is a guy next year who is similar in terms of like the springiness off the floor. I don't know if you guys have seen him. I mean, he is mm-hmm. just a total aberration as an athlete, like crazy Mr. Fantastic arms. Um, but yeah, Jackson, I don't, I'm not totally sure. I, I went on a thing like we were talking about on our pod. I guess it was two weeks ago. We were like, you know, what what has evolved for you in terms of your thinking about the draft? I'm like springy fours that are skinny. I'm like, I just I like them. But I almost wonder if the, the question for me is that like in the short term, it always seems like a bumpy investment. And then by like the second contract, they become useful at places. Um I don't know, like Nerlens is another is a good example. It's like it's taken yeah. Nerlens a little while. Um, you know, even though the tools were there, the the very easily recognizable things, it's kind of like the the pieces that surround that and help you keep that talent on the court. What are those gonna be for him? Um, you know, I, we know he's gonna be a lob threat. You know, I don't see him picking and popping consistently or you know frequently anytime soon Mm -hmm. i don't see him spotting up you know i could see it it could be a situation where you could play him with a more skilled five um is there any team in the top 10 to 15 that has like a super skilled five that can come out um you know like um 
like the Mavs. I don't know. They're not probably not going to have the chance to. I'm just trying to think of like somebody that can space or or create. Um, he he could play in that situation, but yeah. So I uh, I, I like Jackson. I'm just I'm. I'm kind of contradictory on him, honestly, because I'm to that point yeah. now where I'm just like, in the short term, am I going to get the most out of this guy in the short term? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been an evolution the way I've thought about it. Yeah. So. I think I think it's really interesting that you bring up Nerlens, just because if we look at his arc and his career, even now with the Knicks, like he was before Mitch went down, he was our backup center. And even now, you know, like he's, I, th- I think he's done a really, really good job, but like he's so skinny and he's so injury prone. This guy's always getting hurt and it feels like we're always like worried about his health. And so just going back to your point about these like skinny four, skinny fives, I think there is a big risk factor here. The one thing that I, I did like that you mentioned too, like I really like his energy, that like mother effort energy. He reminds, kind of reminds me of like Kenneth Fareed in that way. Fareed had that yeah. like mother effort energy, that manimal energy that I really like about Isaiah Jackson, but it's funny. It, it is like this weird conundrum that you're in with him where you're you really like the stuff that you see. But then when you start thinking like long term, how you're going to play him like, OK, if we put him on Phoenix and he's their second unit five, that's exciting because right now they're playing. Who are they playing at their five right now? I'm trying to think. Kaminsky um, got some minutes the other night. Um, Kamin- yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, Frank the Tank. It gets so- bad fast against the Lakers <laughs> specifically. It's just like, oh, my God. He seriously looked like a JV, like a freshman kid trying to score on the varsity. That's just how big the Lakers are. But, yeah, I mean, they're an interesting – that's an interesting example because that was the kind of player that I pegged before the season last year. They ended up taking Jalen, but I ended up thinking – I was like, that's the type of player that could really. I wanted them to go after Nerlens. Actually, that was that was a guy I wanted Phoenix to go after because um, I thought that he would work. Still do, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, so do you? I know we said you know we think that he potentially could go top ten. Do you think that in this draft that he is a real legit top ten guy, or is it just because after kind of Mobley? Um, you know, you start getting into the Isaiah Jackson, Shangun, maybe you're in the Kai, the Kai camp, um, which I think is going to be something that maybe draft Twitter splinters into potentially. Uh, uh, my early, my early returns are probably not, um, Sharks is really big on, on Kai and I, mm-hmm. I'll text him and just be like, you sure? You no, sure? He's yeah, scared. I think we're uh, all on that. Side. We're on your side. I just don't really. I don't really, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not striking me as something that I'm, I'm confident about. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm really kind of torn on Isaiah for the reasons I said before, just that like the short term, what am I going to get that out of you? Uh, Is it going to be worth it? Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess, of course, you know, comparing him to back to Nerlens again, if you just compare Nerlens was in an odd situation too, where, you know, they had a log jam. They weren't really playing in their roster for fit. They were just kind of playing in like piling up assets. So I guess that's not necessarily the best comparison. Um, it might take a little bit with Isaiah, you know, it might, he could, but he could end up being, he could end up being like a top 50 player, top 60 player. If, if he's, if he, if he fully materializes, you know, like six, seven years from now, he, I could see him being in a rotation, but if the shooting doesn't come around, um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? If, if, if we have an Isaiah Jackson 
five years from now who's who really hasn't shown much progression as a shooter hasn't really shown much as a like a short role creator um what kind of player is that that's not a starter i mean i think that's probably a rotation guy at best i mean i think a lot of especially now i think it's probably going to be a dime a dozen if you're looking five years down the road and you're like this guy didn't necessarily work out and i think that a lot of times you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately? So if we see this guy who has been struggling versus the new shiny toy, who we still might believe can turn into more of that, like, oh, maybe he'll pop, maybe he'll be able to hit guys on the weak side off the short roll or or create whatever. I think if it doesn't work out, you know, I think that we're probably going to look at some kid that we we don't know about yet in a couple of years and and rather bet on him. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, with a guy like Isaiah Jackson, it's going to come down to like fit and, you know, the, the kind of players that he's playing with. I think, you know, I know for a fact that he wasn't exactly like enthralled with the guard play at, at Kentucky. Um, and why I'm shocked to hear that. (laughs) So like, um, you know, if he plays with a guard or, or, you know, a wing or whoever, like a, you know, you mentioned if he was in Dallas with Luca, you know, whatever, anybody who's like, has the potential to throw him these lobs and find him in, in little spaces in the dunker spot or wherever he is, get him out in transition. I think that you, you know, he's got a real shot. Um, if, you know, he played in a situation, uh, situation, like, let's say I'm a bulls fan. And this year our, uh, point guard play wasn't awesome. If he plays in a situation like that, I think he'll struggle. Um, because he's not a guy that I think, especially early on and probably, not even in the future, a coach is going to be like, you know what, man, here's the ball. You're in the the mid post, go cook, you know, like, you know, I know you got the little face, like he's not, he's probably not doing a ton of facing up. So I, I think it's all coming. It's going to come down to like the creators that are on his team and, and, you know, the coaching, like, I think one of the things that he struggled with a little bit at Kentucky, and I think young guys do in like drop coverage, you know, playing that cat and mouse game, you know, coming off screens, like, do am I jabbing at the guard? And if I am I if I come up too high, am I giving up like the lay? If you know, is my weak side going to be there? I think you know, if, if it's only going to get harder at the NBA level. So if he comes in, he struggles a little bit with that. With so many teams playing drop, you know, that could be something. But I think also what'll help is I think that as we move forward, you know, and try to the world heals itself. I think the G League coming back in a more normalized way will kind of could be a solution for for either of these guys if there are early struggles on where you can send them down and kind of you know let them you know improve and work their game get game reps and stuff but actually i'm 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 high on isaiah i I thought that you know on he could be a guy that you look at on the surface and be like maybe his game isn't as nuanced as you know i kind of thought that he played at i I thought i i liked his pace when he was when he was playing as a player so i'm in i'm buying i'm buying isaiah yeah, I mean, obviously we, we didn't really mention a ton. We didn't mention it a ton, but yeah, the foul trouble obviously was was a, was yeah. a big issue for him too. But um, I mean, for young guys too, it's he's he's gone his whole life leaning on the fact that he just has this incredible instinct and for for blocking shots, and that just translated no matter where he was. He didn't really have to be like a really savvy positional, you know constantly thinking the game on that level. And a lot of guys are like that. I mean, it takes a little while. Honestly, it's something that I think people underestimate is just the fact that when you're like 18, 19 years old, you're, you just, 
your maturity for thinking about things for more than a few seconds is just pretty low. I mean, I know it was for me. And I think that like, it just takes these guys a little bit to, to mature to the point where they can think for a full shot clock, a, because they don't have the information there that they don't have the, that they've never been exposed to like the, the sophistication of schemes probably never played against an offense that can run a competent offense for, you know, 24 seconds. So that's new. Um, and it's just rare for guys even to, to be playing defense at that level at that age. So, I mean, if he if he matures in, in, in that sense and becomes like a really good positional defender, I mean, yeah, that that just increases his his value even more. Yeah, hmm. I, I think for me, you know, we've talked a lot about Nerlens and we've talked a lot about his instincts and all that stuff. I think with what you just said with the development piece and all that, I think he reminds me a lot of Mitchell Robinson. Because Mitchell Robinson was a guy for the Knicks coming in who didn't have college ball. He was a guy who didn't have a lot of that game experience. And he needed time to develop. Also a guy, great left-hand blocker, Mitchell Robinson. I wanted to put that in there. But um, the thing is, like, I feel like that's how I feel about Isaiah Jackson. I think he's a guy that's going to take some time. If we go back to rookie year Mitchell Robinson... Sorry, his first three years, he's a foul machine. Like, he loves fouling people. That was his thing. But I thought this year, before he went down with the two injuries, I thought he showed a lot of development. And I think hopefully that'll be the career arc of Isaiah Jackson because I think we've mentioned it a ton. The instincts are there. The athleticism is there. And then he's got the mother effort energy. He's got the intensity, I think, to really lock in and learn, right? So I think that's kind of what I see. Obviously, the body comps are, you know, off because Mitchell Robinson's seven one. He's freaking gigantic. Yeah, he's a little bigger, but yeah, yeah, he's bigger. He's bigger. But you know, also, I want to say Isaiah Jackson looks smaller to me than he what he's listed. So yeah, I know he's too. listed at, at like six eleven, six ten. He looked more like six nine, which is why my <laughs> mind went to Kenneth Freed. Well, Kenneth Freed even smaller than that. But um, yeah, I just feel like a career arc wise, if he's in the right situation, as Corey mentioned, and he's developed, I think he could. There is so much there for him to develop into that I, I'm I'm still pretty high on him too. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. And when you when you said six eleven, I was like, man, is that right? Doesn't seem right. Yeah, he seems like six eight, six nine. Um, but I think his shoulders could put on some more weight. You t- you mentioned Kenneth Fareed. Um, I actually went to Moorhead State, um, and I was there when he came. To, it's just an anecdote for 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 comparison here. But when he when he got to Moorhead. Uh, he was skin- he seemed like he was skinnier than Isaiah Jackson. He was a beanpole. Wow. And then by the time he left, I mean, he was just like enormous jacked. So, you know, two, three years from now, I mean, Isaiah could be even bigger. I guess that's going to be interesting to see if he even the NBA is different today, obviously, than than it was back then. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just I'm kind of back to where I started with with Isaiah. I'm like I like him a lot. It's just uh, we'll see. Luckily, I don't have to do it. Luckily, my job's not on the line in terms of uh, how he plays. Maybe if I yeah. stake my whole reputation on it, I could do that. I'm not ready to do that. Uh, so, <laughs> but I do like Isaiah a lot. So, and I have so for a while. Yeah. Uh, likewise, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to stake uh, my reputation on him either. But uh, all right. So I think that. That's probably it for the two Kentucky guys in this draft. I think before we go, Albert, I know you got a quickly question. I do. I do. I do. I do. Because, um, you know, obviously, dude, I, I realize like I'm comping everybody to Knicks players, which is cool, which is OK. That's fine. I'm staying on brand. You know, I love my Knicks. But um, for me, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I felt like quickly had an incredible rookie year. 
Um, I think Corey and I, even before the draft last, last year, we were super high on quickly. Um, we thought, you know, with the shooting, like we knew the shooting was going to translate. I was excited about that. I think the shot creation this year and what he was able to do with the ball in his hands was something that we weren't expecting at all as Nick fans, um, but was obviously really, really happy by. Um, recently you posted a video about like the success of CP3, right? And you talked about like the longevity chain theory and all that stuff. How do you feel about IQ's trajectory like in terms of like his career big picture? Just because for me, like I'm looking at my, at my Knicks right now, and obviously we're about to go down to the Hawks in the first round, but you know, we're starting to look good, right? We're, we're a team now that's respectable. We have some young guys. We have a Julius Randall. You talked about Randall, um, you know, at, at length with, with Simmons, with Bill Simmons on his pod, shouts to the pod father. Um, but you know, like I, I'm looking at this team and I'm wondering where do we go from here? Right. We have a lot of cap space. We have the draft picks. We have all that. And I think a part of that question of answering that question is to look at quickly, too. I think Emmanuel quickly is a part of that. And I'm just wondering what you think about his ultimate ceiling, because as you mentioned before, we need another ball handler. We need another shot creator. We need another guy who can you know, initiate stuff. And I thought quickly had glimpses of that and did a really good job in different spurts. But at the same time, he wasn't perfect either. So. Just looking at all of that, we're just wondering how you feel about quickly and what his ultimate ceiling is going to look like. Um, I mean, you were talking about that you guys were high on quickly. I think that was like the three of us. I mean, because I know I was the highest on him at, at the ringer and I always get accused of, you know, being a Kentucky fan, which I am. But, you know, I, I actually was like saw some things with quickly that I was encouraged by. Um, so but the, the questions have kind of stayed the same with him over the past two or three years. I mean, it's a question of he's a guy who is more of a traditional two in a one's body, basically. And it's like he's he's kind of in a position where if he's going to stay on the floor, it's going to behoove him to, you know, we know he can hunt a shot. He's he's really improved in that sense. And the first year that he was here, it was kind of like he was spotting up. You could kind of run him off of actions. His shot sped up and, and stayed accurate at volume. Then he started hunting his shot, and it was pretty impressive. That was something that I think people underrated was how quickly the pun, uh, how fast that that happened. Um, it happened really, really fast. Uh, and he's his adaptability was really high. Something I praised him a lot for. The question is just can he can he gradually transition into um, init- more well rounded initiator? Um, because that's something like we've talked about the Knicks need desperately. They really need, and I'd like to see you quickly play more in this series, honestly, but um, because they need it. And that's kind of Tibbs and Cal are actually pretty similar coaches because, uh, and they're actually friends. I, I don't know if you knew that, like good friends, apparently, because philosophically they're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, this is absolutely like a Cal type of thing where you would have this guy who can really shoot and it's just like, he's going to prioritize this other thing. Well, it's like, you can't guard Trey Young. So you might as well put the score out there. Uh, but so for me, that's the question. Can, can he transition into a guy who can flip some of that scoring potency into, into creation? Um, he hasn't done a ton of that. I mean, he didn't really play a ton of point guard. They had kind of a three headed monster here. Mm-hmm. When I think about the guards that, that we had, on that team. And then I think about this past year, I just like just sort of stroke a picture frame thinking about having, having Tyrese Maxey and quit and I, and Emmanuel quickly on the same team. It just, that makes me feel like we had like, and Hagen's no. Yeah. Hagen's who I had the very <laughs> up and down relationship with um, loved him initially. And then when I started seeing him make decisions at the college level, I was just Oof. like, I'm going to jump off favorite. a bridge. Um, so 
Yeah, I was. I kind of ate some shit on that one because I was telling Kentucky fans, I was like, you're going to love this guy. He's amazing. And then we got him in here and he was just like showed a total inability to make good decisions. I was just like mm-hmm. Kool-Aid man slowly backing away. But like with um, with quickly, that's that's been the that's been the question that's going to remain the question, because I, I think that he's in that range where he's such a score that he could probably hover at this level for a few years, several years, like being, being that first guy off the bench that can come in and, and give you buckets and, and, and play, you know, defensively, I think he's going to grow a lot too. Like I, I'm pretty confident on that, on that front because he cares, he's smart. He's got the physical tools. I think he can be a good ball, ball, ball pressure guy. Um, that's the question, the playmaking, if he rounds that out, I mean, he's a starter in the NBA for a while, I think. Like, uh, maybe not on, like, a great team, but mm-hmm. maybe not always. Context- you know, Sam Vecini and I talked about this on his podcast, that, like, contextually, maybe not every situation. If he's playing with, like, a dominant score in the backcourt on another team, I could see him being, if he's not dependent on to be uh, that, um, it'll be it'll be situational. But that that's the question for me. Can he do that? I don't see him becoming, like, a big-time you know, facilitator. Um, if I was just betting, um, but I, but I I do think that he's going to get substantially better because that's who he's been in the past couple mm-hmm. of years. So I would hang on to him if I was New York. I think they Heck will. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's he's been a nice surprise. Uh, I mean, and have you seen? It, it, he's a guy that is another guy who just really really gives a shit. So that's that's what I really like the most about him. Uh, that's a guy that I've met uh, and just a really good dude. I mean, I know New Yorkers adore him from what I understand. Is that right? We do. From what I say, I'm sure you guys kind of balloon him into sort of a myth a little bit, maybe, maybe like, come on right here. Look at that. that. Did you have those sat there just for me? Was that, of course, (laughs) look look at this one. Ready? Ready for this one? Signature. Look at that one. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. (laughs) Got to get those graded. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am with that. I mean, that that's, that's where, that's what it's been. That's what it's going to be for him. But either way, I mean, he's, he's a serviceable, valuable player. If that's what he is, if he's a guy who can create his own shot and then become a great defender, puts a little less pressure on that stuff, but it'd be, that's what's going to keep him from being like a, a good player to me. Uh, is that. I, I like what you put in at the end, because like for me, I think the biggest thing that we've seen him progress in over this season defensively, I, I think he's grown a lot just even within his rookie year. I, I think he does a really good job of using his length. Um, and as you mentioned, he really, really cares, which is why, like, even in this series, I kind of wish he would be obviously he's not going to shut down Trey Young. But I did wish like he was on Trey Young a little bit more because I think he's like he can be a pest because those mm-hmm. arms are really, really long and he's. He can be locked in. I think he can get a little handsy sometimes, but I mean, he's also a rookie, so you have to understand that much. But um, I agree with you, man. I think the Knicks, I, f- sorry, as fans, we're all really, really high on him now. And I'm happy to see that all Knicks fans are feeling what Corey and I felt, you know, coming into the draft. But it, it is something to think about just because I know the Knicks are going to be making a lot of big decisions this offseason, you know, and like thinking about the next step and how to take this team to the to the next level. And obviously we're going to, be talking about a new contract for Julius and all that stuff. So just wanted to bring that at you just because, you know, as a Kentucky guy, I wanted to hear more about that. So, yeah, I appreciate it. He's beloved around here. I mean, we, we love him root for him. Um, yeah. Really good player. He's, he's a guy that I really wish he'd gotten to play the NCAA tournament because, you know, could get to the line. That's the big thing too, is that he's yeah. really shown an ability to get to the line. Um, he's grown a lot in that sense in the last year. So um, and his movement three point shooting, I think, is just going to get better and better. So, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, at there worst, if he's at worst, if he's Lou Williams that can you know play defense, I'll take that. You know, so you know we're yeah. we're, we're we're really excited about it. We are. Yeah. Yeah. He he looked a little bit better uh, at Kentucky coming off that floppy than uh, some of the guys this year did. I will I will say that about uh, IQ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Kyle, thank you so much for uh, wow. hopping on. Um, absolutely, absolutely go watch the Chris Paul video. Uh, one of my favorite videos that you've done. It oh, was yeah. uh, well, really entertaining, you. very timely, um, given uh, <laughs> that, that, that series. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I was pacing around our house like I had, like, had money on the game. Like when he went down, I was just like, you've got, I literally had rendered it, just rendered yeah. it. And then he he went down with that. I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. You seriously have to be kidding me. So anyway, but luckily he's back out there. Um, I don't know. Some some yeah. are cooking. Yeah. Serendipity. Um, you working on anything else? Tell the people where they can find you. What you know? Anything else you got uh, cooking up? Plug it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of settling into. I've, I'm just picking between. I'm I'm thinking I might shift into draft stuff. Um, for this month. It's hard to make videos during the playoffs just because it's a moving target and I do them by myself. So it's like kind of hard to, to move super quickly. I know Corey, you make videos, don't you? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. It's, it's uh well, you said that too, but I, I knew that. I don't even know why I asked you. Um, but yeah, it's hard during the playoffs when yeah, you do it by yourself. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, um so yeah. That, I, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Um, that was sort of a non-answer. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm settling into like draft stuff, and then, um, and then, uh, yeah, we're doing pod stuff. I think Kevin and Kevin O'Connor and I are going to be doing more reaction playoff kind of pod stuff in the short term. So stay tuned on that. If, follow me on Twitter at Man if if you if you're interested in um, in that, or if if you hate me, yeah, just block me and then don't and then don't. But otherwise, yeah, come find me. That's where I am. But my my stuff's on YouTube. Uh, you can find it with like the illustrated thumbnails. That's the telltale. My wife does those for me. So that's how you can find awesome. it. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Uh, very well done. Um, Albert, have you, have you workshopped your name yet? I know that was something you were thinking about. Hey, I'm still in the lab trying to figure out a new Twitter handle. That's not freaking boring. Um, but I did want to say, Hey, um, Kyle, we really appreciate you coming on today. Corey and I are huge ringer fans. Um, you know, the ring celebrated their uh, fifth birthday yesterday, which is awesome for you guys. And I, I've been a fan from the beginning. Bill is probably my wife says this all the time to my friends, but she feels like she hears Bill Simmons voice more than she hears my voice because, you know, <laughs> I always have his pod playing in my house. But um, this, this has been a great honor. We appreciate it, man. And um, yeah, in terms of me, you guys can find me on Twitter at Alberto Gim. Uh, come find me. And um yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, and uh, you could find me at the Hardwood Mag on Twitter. Um, still have some copies of issue two available, although the limited edition are there's only like ten left. So uh, you can get that. You'll find the link on my on my Twitter at the Hardwood Mag. And uh, as always, thank you for watching and or listening. Um, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.